Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. This week we are continuing in our series called Friending, and uh, what we've been doing is kind of exploring the kind of friends that we ought to be, the kind of friends that we ought to have, and, uh, and, 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 and the whole, the whole, running the whole gamut of the thing. We're in a four-week series. This is week three, and uh, last week it was really cool. I have to tell you that I love this series. It's neat whenever you start planning out. Like, we plan this series months in advance, and it feels like it's the right time for it to be here, because I'll just, I'll just go, yeah, I think that's going to be good here, and I'll do that there, and then when it happens, and, and it begins to touch people's lives in a very specific way, in a very specific time, it's just really cool when everything lines up with what God's trying to do in our hearts and lives anyways, and take us. So, because after service last week, uh, Tim talked about the kind of friends you need to have in your life. And we, we discussed the subject of relational poverty and how we, we, don't, we just don't have friends. And I heard several conversations as I was just walking through the foyer of people being affected by that and saying, I don't have any friends. Will you be my friend? I heard, I heard that. Now, I'm summarizing how that went down. But basically, that's what, that's what the conversation was. Man, I need more friends in my life. Can we get, to this weather, get together this week? Can we, can we do this? How do I get connected to a group? How do I get involved? And there was, there was great conversations out of last week. I'm super ex- excited about what God is doing with us. But if you've missed it all, if, you're, if it's your first time joining us for this series, let me tell you what, what the overarching theme is. Uh, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. But it says, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Basically, the people that you run with is who you become. Your mom probably said something similar uh, to you when you were growing up. They said birds of a feather flock together. But I would say that, that the people that you hang around is who you really become, not just that you're already like each other and you gather together, right? So you will become like the people that you spend time with. Solomon knew this, and Solomon, of course, was one of the wisest men or the wisest man who ever walked the earth. And he said in Proverbs 13, 20, walk with the wise. In other words, live out your life with them, walk with them, journey with them, speak with them, dine with them, hang with them, and you become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harms. Basically, he's saying if you hang out with people that are passionate, that are hardworking and faith-filled, guess who you're going to become like? You're going to become passionate, faith-filled, and hardworking. This is who you're going to be. On the other side is if you hang out with people that are lazy, critical, or self-centered, then guess who you're going to become like? Them. You'll become lazy, critical, and self-centered. And so last week, what we're doing uh, in this series, again, we talked about the kind of friend you need to be. Tim knocked it out of the park and shared about what kind of friends you needed to have in your life. We looked at the three different kind of friends, but we looked at three different uh, levels of poverty in our lives. And the first one was this material poverty. We understand this. We, un- we can see poverty uh, all around us, and, and we're, we're not, we're not uh, f- far away from it here in Reynoldsburg. In fact, the poverty level in, in Reynoldsburg is so high that 50% of our kids in our schools, and I think that number is even higher now, 50% of our kids are on reduced fee or free lunches. They, they qualify for that. The poverty level is so high here in Reynoldsburg. But we understand that there's even greater levels of poverty, like people that don't have homes, people that don't have cars, don't have jobs, don't have any money at all. And they, they are without all of the comforts that you and I know. They are in material poverty. And then there's some people that have what's called, what we call spiritual poverty. They don't have a relationship with God. Or the basis of their relationship with God is just that Sunday morning service. It, it's just this, this come here, I'm going to check it off, I'm going to do my time, and then I'm going to leave, and I've given my spiritual, that's my spiritual duty for the week. And so they would be spiritually impoverished, whether they're far from God or just close enough to him that they have did their duty. They're spiritually impoverished, or they're in poverty. And then Tim, Tim spoke on the relational poverty that exists. And this relational poverty is something that I believe is sweeping across the United States. It, it is an epidemic that is happening that I find that the more blessing we have, the more stuff we have, the more we are, are apt to lose our relationships. And I, I think one of the main reasons for this is because we want to be independent, 
Our culture teaches us that. We have multiple songs that are very popular in, in the pop industry of, of about Miss Independent and, and being, being, doing it all on, yourself, on your own. This is what we celebrate. They did this. They're champions, and they did it all on their own against all odds. And we, we as men believe that we have to do everything on our own. That's why we won't stop and ask for directions, right? Everything has to be us. But, but this, this idea of independence, this idea of doing it on our own is distinctly not Christian. It's not good for us, and it's not what God intended for us either. We were not created to do everything on our own. We were created to be dependent on him and each other. That's why God, when we, when we join the family of God, the, he calls it the body of Christ, right? We're, we're all part of the body. I have lots of parts to my body. I have fingers, I have hands, I have arms and head. I got lots of parts to my body, and we are all parts of the body of Christ. If you were to take my finger and chop it off, what happens to my finger? It dies when it's separated from the body, when it's isolated, independent, on its own. It dies. And so we are meant to be a part of the body. We are meant to be dependent upon each other in the same way that our hands and everything else are dependent on the rest of our, of our body, okay? And so we, we need to be dependent on him and each other, and loving one another is how we can demonstrate we belong to him. Again, being independent is distinctly non-Christian. Even in our own language, in the way that we describe our relationship with God, I've heard this so many times, and it just kind of reinforces this whole dependence or independence thing of this is a personal relationship with Jesus. It's my one-on-one relationship with Jesus, right? And, and there's nothing wrong with a personal relationship with Jesus, but I think there is a greater picture. There is a fuller picture. There is more to be experienced when we not, don't just have a personal relationship with Jesus, but we have a shared relationship with Jesus. And that is what God has intended for us. It is way better. And so few people experience the beauty and the glory and the miracle that is Christian community and the shared relationship with God. Why? Well, I think there's a few reasons why there's, there's, people are missing out. Because of, of, of a couple things, if you're taking notes today, this is, this is what I studied this week and, and I believe that it's true that the first thing is increased mobility. The average American moves once every five years. Once every five years. How many of you would say that's true? I've moved in the last five years. Yep. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not pinpointing you and saying, sinner, that's not, that's not, don't, I'm just saying, that's what we do. The average American moves once every five years, and you have to admit, especially if you're somebody who moves around a lot, it is really hard to have deep, meaningful relationships with people. It is hard to, to start over again to enter into a new community where people don't know you. They don't know that you're struggled. They don't know where your weaknesses are. They don't know your strengths. They don't know what you offer. They, they don't know. It is very hard to start over. The second thing that, that causes relational poverty and people to not engage in Christian community is modern conveniences. Man, I gotta be honest with you. Years and years ago, and this is way before my time, we didn't have air conditioning. And so in the evenings, it was still hot inside our houses, and where did we hang out? Outside, that's right, on our porches, in our yards, in our backyards, that's where we were. And we got to know our neighbors and people going by we said hi to. We got to know them and we spent a lot of time with them. But the air conditioning was, came along, became affordable, and people started installing them in their house. And where do they spend time? Inside. It's cooler inside now, no problem. The other thing that came along, the other modern convenience that came along was the garage, the attached garage. Put, a, put an attached garage onto your house and what happens? You leave in the morning, you push a button, your garage door opens, you drive out of your driveway, and you leave for the day. And you come home, you push that button, you pull back into the garage, the door closes behind you, you never see anybody. You never speak to anybody. You don't have to. And then this thing comes along called the answering machine. Oh, now see, this revolutionized me the first time I experienced this. Uh, this, This changed my life because I was at home, and you have to understand that back in the day, if you wanted to know who was calling, uh, you had to do this. Hello? And then you got to find out who was calling. But then the answering machine revolutionized that. And I was standing there, the phone was ringing, and I went to answer the phone, and my parents are standing there lording over the phone like, don't touch that. Don't touch, why? And then they taught me. It went to an answering machine. Hello, you've reached the DeLong residence. Please leave a message after the beep. Ooh, Uh, hi, Steve. This is uh, so-and-so from ABC whatever, and we're trying to sell you this. That's why you don't answer the phone, son. Oh, I got it. We learned to screen our calls. 
We disconnected ourselves from people. If I don't want your call, I don't have to have it. It changed our lives. All these different, these different things, and then caller ID comes along and makes it even easier. We definitely know, uh-uh, I ain't talking to them for no way, uh-uh. It's not happening, 555, nothing. That ain't a phone number, it's not real. And then think about this, the, revolutionary, uh, the, the, the revolution of the internet. Everybody's got it, it's really super easy, and now what do you do online? Everything. We can shop online, we can connect with people online. I mean, for crying out loud, here in Columbus, just in case you're listening somewhere else in the world, let the envy begin now. But here in Columbus, they have something called Prime Now through Amazon. You can order something and it'll be at your house in two hours. You can pay a little bit of extra fee and it'll be at your house in an hour. I'm talking food, I'm talking clothes. My wife ordered a hair straightener off there just so we could see if it really existed and they were really gonna do it. And guess what they did? I don't have to go anywhere to get anything. I don't even have to wait. It's gonna be here now. It's coming. So we order everything online. We bank online now, right? Even in your phones, you get a check, you don't have to go to the bank. You don't have to get to know a teller. You don't need to know a bank manager. Click, just take a picture of it. It sends it, deposits it, right? Everything's done online. It's so impersonal. Relationships are gone. We don't need them. The new generation is coming out. I grew up needing these relationships. I preferred them. I do the weekly deposit at the bank, not because I don't trust people with the money bag, but because I love the people at the bank, and they love me. We have a great time. I'm probably in there 15 to 20 minutes every time. People behind me just mad, like, come on, real? I'm just hanging out. And then, of course, individual forms of entertainment are wrecking us. In my house in the evening after chores are done and everybody's settled the last half hour of the night or last hour of the night, if we want to turn on a show and sit down and watch it together, we'll do that. But here's what happens. The big screen's on and I'm watching it. And I'll look around the room, take and just take a moment and look around the room. My family, there's four or five others, it depends on, on, on you know, whether my niece is home with us or not, and she's sitting in the room. But you, you, you look around this room, and I've got one kid over here playing a game while he's watching the show. I've got another one doing Facebook. Another one is checking their email. And I'm sitting there looking, looking at the news, or there's possibly somebody in the room watching another show while they're watching a show. It's like showception. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's inception. You've got to keep up with me now, okay? Keep up with me. They're like watching a show, watching a show. It's nuts. These individualized, individual forms of entertainment are removing us from relationship, and we have become relationally impoverished as a result of it. Modern conveniences. The last thing I think that is having a big role in this, and I'm not going to harp on it, but I said it last week, and I even preached an entire series on it last year called The Struggle is Real. Listen to it. It'll help you. It'll, it'll inform you. Uh, but I, I believe that one of the biggest issues is a rise in social media. Now, if, you, if you've been here last week and even, even through the struggle is real, you know that I don't think social media is a bad thing. I think it's a great thing. I think it's a great tool. However, I think it's causing lots of problems and can be very, very dangerous. It's kind of like, you know, you ever, you ever seen somebody walk a dog, but that dog's really walking them? You know what I'm saying? They're just dragging them behind the dog. I think that's what social media is doing to us. I think we kind of got it and said, oh, this is a cute little pet, and it's kind of grown up into this monster that is dragging us along instead of us walking the dog. Does that make sense? Hope that's clear. It's just, just got to get a grip on it. Anyway, so I think it's a, I think it's a great tool, uh, but, but social media is also doing something. It's creating an epidemic that is sweeping across our country and different cultures around the world, and it's called deferred loneliness. Deferred loneliness. Basically what it is is because of social media's existence, I feel lonely, and because that thing exists, instead of calling up Tim and saying, hey, Tim, I'm, I'm really feeling kind of down. Do you, you mind if we get coffee or go get lunch or something like that? I just need somebody to talk to. Instead of doing that, what I do is I pull up social media and I post a picture, some kind of duck lips thing, and, you know, or I post a picture of a sunrise. I do something. I put a post out there, and what I'm looking for is immediate validation of my existence, I put it out there and somebody clicks like. Within five minutes, you've got a like. Two or three likes, and it's like, yeah, baby, I feel good about myself. So I'm feeling lonely, I post something, somebody likes it. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not alone in this universe. Ah, people like me, they really do. But what that's doing is, that's, that's a very empty thing. It's a very fleeting fulfillment because what happens is we realize that it really doesn't take much for the person on the other end of their device or the other end of that mouse to click like. And so while we feel good for a few minutes, it eventually leaves us feeling empty and we feel lonely again because 
what we're reaching out to to fulfill us is never going to be as fulfilling as a relationship. And social media is drawing us away from real relationship. And I think that's why you can have lots of Facebook friends. I think that's why you can have lots of modern conveniences. You can have lots of stuff. And yet you can realize that something is missing. And I don't think it's just a something. I think it's a someone. And I don't think it's just Jesus. I think you're missing his people. You're missing a someone in your life. And that's what Tim was talking about last week. But I don't think it's just a someone. I think you're missing some people. That's what we're going to talk about this week is, is a group of someones that you are potentially missing. If you're taking notes, this is our thought for the day. You are one community away from changing the course of your destiny. You're one community away from changing the course of your destiny. You need people in a community who will lift you up, who will pray for you, who will help you, who will serve you, who will encourage you. You need people in your life like this who are further along in an area that you want to grow in so that they can help you, so that you can change your very destiny. I am living proof that being involved in a community or a group of people who are following Christ, that that your destiny changes. Because let me be honest with you, I was not on a path to becoming a pastor four years ago. This is not what I was set out to do. This is not what I've spent my life studying. This is not where I was going. And any success that I've had in my life, no matter what it was done, whether following Christ, whether being a, a good father or, or being a pastor or succeeding in business or succeeding in, in anything that I've ever, ever worked at has been uh, directly linked to the group of people that I have associated with. Period. If you want to know where my success comes from, it's the people I surround myself with in wherever way I want to succeed. When I was about, uh, oh man, this is almost seven years ago at this point. I walked into a church and I was angry, I was bitter. I set the pastor down. I said, listen, I'm not gonna serve. I'm not gonna tithe or give you a penny. The only reason I'm here, I feel like my family needs to be here and you make me laugh. So I'm hanging out at your church. Are you okay with that? And he said, yeah. So I hung out at his church, angry and bitter, disconnected. You know, my wife and I were going. Kids loved it. It was an awesome kids program. And again, the pastor made me laugh every Sunday. Then they started talking about these things called community groups. We call them grow groups here. And I said, well, I guess before I write this place off, I need to see what they have to offer. I need to get involved just so that I can prove that this is just one more sham. This is one more thing that's not going to work. This is one more thing that's not going to change who I am, even though they were saying every life change comes in these, okay, sure it does, yeah. So I went, I remember the first night I went, my wife didn't go with me. I signed up for a group. And uh, I didn't even care about the study was. I, there were some people there that looked really cool. This guy had tattoos, you know, and he just looked awesome. I was like, I want to hang out with that dude. Let's see if this is just going to be a hot mess express. And it wasn't. I went in there that first night, and here were people with all kinds of different backgrounds. Didn't matter their skin color. Didn't matter their background. Didn't matter their financial status, their social status, what they did for a living. It didn't matter. They all belonged to Christ. And they were like, we're going to hang out and love each other. And that was like, that like changed me. Because I realized if I wanted to be a, a contributing part of this community, that I was going to have to let go of some of my, bitter, my bitterness. Not just some, but all. That I was going to have to learn to forgive those people that had hurt me in the past. That I was going to have to open myself back up to relationships. Again, that I had shut off. Because I said, God, I don't like your people. And because I don't like your people, at one point in time I said, because I know you're so, so correlated with your people and so connected with your people, because I can't stand your people, that means I'm all done with you. That's my story. That's a real conversation I had with God. But I got in this group of people, man. They loved each other. They served each other. And it was nuts. Week after week going back here, even through difficult things, I saw them fight and then hash it out and apologize and be better friends as a result of it. What is this? Is everybody drinking some Kool-Aid that I don't know about? Like, what is this? It was Jesus. It was Jesus. It was real Christian community. And so I began to let God work in my heart and my life because this was real. It, it was real. It, it changed the course of my life. Eventually, my wife and I decided to get rebaptized, rededicate our lives to Christ, and to follow Him fully. 
And through the course of that, my pastor tapped me, and here I am today. Changed my destiny. You are one community away from your destiny being changed forever. These groups aren't always perfect. But let me tell you, some of the relationships that I have formed, the, the strongest relationships that I have to this day are with people that I have been in our grow groups with. Whether it was at C3 Church, our parent church where we launched from, or here at Simple Church. I've created some incredible relationships. In fact, when God called me to plant this church, the people that I asked to come with me were people that had been in my groups. Hey, uh, I'm thinking about starting a church. You guys want to go with me? They're like, yeah, you're crazy, but we're in. Oak and oak. You don't get people to commit to doing something crazy like this unless they've been in relationship with you. And it's crazy. What's even crazier to me is that I know plenty of pastors who have launched churches, and they say that within the first year, your launch team, those people that helped you get going, that they're gone within the first year. That's just statistics. It's just the way it goes. And I look around my team, and I have the majority of my launch team still with me. You say, well, Aaron, that's easy to figure out. You're just so stinking handsome. That's what's going on there. And it's like, no, no, I'm going to have to argue with you, people that think that. Uh, it's, 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 it's the grace of God. It's the grace of God in the Christian community that he has built among us. Because we're not perfect. We get on each other's nerves, but we love each other, and we're committed to sorting things out. And those people are still on the highest level of my staff and my team to this day. It's incredible. And I love the relationships I've built. And you'll know that I love you if I start pulling practical jokes on you, because I'm a jokester. And I, I love to do things like that. And my team knows that, and they decided to get me one time. We went on vacation, I came home, and my whole living room, they, I don't know if they had a key. I can't remember if we gave them a key or if we were just stupid enough to give them the, key, the code to our garage door. I'm not sure. But they got in my house while I was on vacation and flipped all my furniture around in my living room. We got home and saw it and just said, eh, it looks all right like it is. And it's still like that to this day. It was like, that was like six years ago or more. I can't even remember. It was, it was ridiculous. Just recently, uh, the, one, of the, one, of the, one of those, those same people that flipped my living room, the Spicers were out, and uh, <laughs> they went to Kings Island, I think. Was it Kings Island? They went, yeah, and the Smiths, uh, Kyle and Derek, were watching their dog, and they called us up on an afternoon and said, hey, uh, we've got the keys to the Spicers' house, and um, we're thinking it's on. I was like, we're clearing our calendar. We'll be there in just a moment. So we went home, and we grabbed some tools, and what we grabbed were a bunch of googly eyes, and what we did was we googly eyed their entire kitchen, anything that we could find. I've got a few pictures here of what we did. This was just a few weeks ago, but that, <laughs> that's not permanent marker, so settle down. Go ahead, next one. We did the bananas. We did, we did everything, yeah, in the, in the Keurig. We, we did the, everything in the refrigerator, everything in the cabinets. You just open it up, and there was these googly eyes and smiley faces just staring at them. They had no idea that we did it, and, uh, and, I, just, and I just love that. But these relationships, these don't come by accident. They come because of intentional investments in each other's lives, right? They, you, you don't just get that because, well, I signed up for, you know, to, to follow Jesus, and now I'm supposed to have all this. No, it takes an intentional investment into people's lives. These same people, all kinds of groups, we've remodeled homes together, we've worked on cars together, we, they've helped us landscape our house, they've, they've, we've all contributed to each other's mission trips to, in order to get people to go, we have financially supported each other, we've moved people. These are things you don't want to do on your own, and, there's, and you need to invite people in and have a relationship with them in this Christian communities, you don't have to do these things on your own. You don't have to. We've cared for each other through times of illness. We've cared for each other's kids. We've provided meals. We've done hospital visits. We've taken vacations and trips together. We bring cakes for celebrations and tissues when it's difficult times to face. And none of it happens by accident. In fact, I'm going to tell you that the, that, that the experiences that I've had, and so many of you I know that have had because you've been involved in our grow groups or some small group at a church, you understand that this is a picture of the New Testament church from Acts 2.42. It says, they devoted themselves, they were committed, not halfway in, not well if it works out, they were devoted, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the, the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, which is a picture of the church. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, which is a picture of our grow groups. This is what the New Testament church was doing. They had community with each other that was centered around Christ. It wasn't centered around sports. It wasn't centered around music. It wasn't centered around food or skin color. It was centered around Jesus, period. That's what brought them together was Jesus. And that doesn't happen by accident. You create it with love of Christ in an intentional way as believers come together. Now, if you don't know what healthy Christian community looks like. Let me give you three qualities of one, because I know you're just dying. You're like, am I involved in a, good, in a good grow group? Maybe I need to be in another one. I'm not really sure. Maybe, maybe the community I'm part of is not awesome. Let me, let me give you three qualities of great communities that you need to be a part of. If you're taking notes, this is the first one. The first great quality is we have refrigerator rights. We have refrigerator rights. When you're in my grow group, and you come to my house, or if I come to your house, the first time, and only the first time, do you need to knock on the door. Every time after that, just walk in. Just walk, if you wanna give a courtesy knock and then just walk in, that's fine, because once you join the group, you're family. You're, you're family. Just, just come on in, and, and, and family, family can go anywhere they want to in my house, they can, they, I don't care, it's, it's fine. Everything's open for you, I, I've got nothing to hide from family. And when you come and you're part of my group, you, get, you have refrigerator rights. What are, what, what's this thing, this refrigerator rights? Well, you can get in my refrigerator. You can eat anything in my refrigerator you want to. You're welcome to it. Have at it. Because you have to admit, this is, this is a big deal because if you didn't know me and I came into your house, it was my first time there, and where would we go if it was my first time? Probably to the living room, right? And we'd sit down and we'd talk to each other and get to know each other. But it would be kind of weird if my first time there, I walked in and instead of going to the living room, I went straight into the kitchen, opened up the refrigerator and started making myself a sandwich. Got some fruit, got a drink and sat down and you're just looking at me and I'm like, oh, I am so sorry. I didn't even offer to get you anything. Do you want me to get you something? <laughs> this would be, <laughs> you may not say anything right then, but you're gonna call later. That guy is stinking weird. He came in my house, was in my refrigerator. We have refrigerator rights. I don't care if you get in my refrigerator and it stinks. Yours probably stinks too. I, don't, I, get, I got nothing to hide. But it would be weird if I did that and you didn't know me. Why? Well, because you and I don't have the intimacy. You and I don't have the trust or the relationship in order for me to do that. We, we need to have relationships that are on that level where everything I have is yours. We need to be considered like family. Look at what it, how it describes the, the church in Acts 2.44. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Everything in common. Now, how many people in this room would say, and I'm actually asking, I'm polling you, how many of you would say that you have refrigerator friends that come to your house? You have, how many of you would say you have refrigerator rights at somebody else's house? Okay, now let me say this. If you don't have refrigerator rights outside of your immediate family, with more than three or four people, it is possible that you are relationally impoverished. It is possible that you need to have more of that in your life. Now I know that you're gonna push back on this a little bit because some of you have been involved in the community and you've been involved in these grow groups and you say, you know, I, you don't understand Aaron, I was in this group and I went there and they found out something about me and they rejected me. They hurt me, they betrayed me, they lied to me. But let me tell you something, the risk of not being involved in a Christian community is way greater than actually being involved. Right, because yes, you may get hurt, but you need to decide that what you ultimately need to do is learn to be the picture of Christ that he's trying to paint, and that is to forgive, and that is to let down those walls. Because I understand, when we get hurt, what do we wanna do? We wanna run away from that thing that hurt us. We wanna build up a wall, and this is what we do. We point our finger out, and we say, never again. We even put our hip out like this, all sassy. Stand over here in case you couldn't see it because of the table. Never again. 
We don't want to be hurt. We don't like being hurt. So we build up walls. But I'm going to tell you in isolation is where the enemy wants to keep you because you are not experiencing all that God has for you when you're by yourself. You're missing out. And yeah, you may, you may get hurt. Somebody may lie to you. Somebody may steal something from your house. Somebody may, may say they're going to show up and not show up. Somebody may hurt your feelings and say some, some kind of comment that, that, that hurts you or violates your political views or violates, you know, steps on something that you hold precious in your life. It may happen. And this is where you learn to forgive. And this is where you learn to build bridges and get over it. You say, that's so flip. I'm sorry. I think it summarizes what we're called to. To love each other in that way. At least to go to them and say, hey, what you did hurt me. And I love you and I know you love me and I'm sure you didn't mean to do it. Can we work this out? It's Christian community. We need to have this kind of relationships. Don't push back against this. I know hurt and disappointment is not good enough reason to not be in relationship with people and to gain and to give refrigerator rights. We need to have refrigerator rights in our life. And then a good, another second quality of great Christian community is that we all have flawed feet. We all have flawed feet. My wife, uh, she does not enjoy feet at all. Like she, she doesn't want it touching her. She doesn't want it near her. She doesn't want toes. She doesn't want anything. In fact, she stops at ankle. In fact, and you know, sometimes I'll just put my ankle right on her just to, just to say, it's just the ankle, it's not the feet, because she full-on spazzes. Uh, I love to, when we're cuddled on a couch, to kind of slip my foot in right when she doesn't realize it, you know, and I love to just count the minutes that I've kept my foot on her, and when she realizes, she jumps and hits me and goes, what are you doing? My foot's been on you for 17 minutes now, and you didn't even know it? I celebrate these kind of things. In the middle of the night, when she's sleeping hard, It is the greatest thing to take my foot and just run it down her leg. I've taken pictures and video of it. I'm certain there's something wrong with me. But that's okay. We have, we've all got something wrong with us. We all have flawed feet. The biggest problem with my feet is, and it's not just me, she's, 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 she doesn't like uh, feet, any, any, she likes little kid feet, but even my boys that are 14 now, she's just kind of appalled by, the, by their feet. But the, her biggest issue with me is she says that I have hobbit feet. If you're not aware of what that is, look at the screen. All right, take it down. See, is this guy going somewhere with this? Yeah, I think, I think our flawed feet are. I, th I think our flawed feet are, uh, are, are just are the things that we need to learn about to accept about each other. We, we've all got things that are, that are wrong with us. We all have flaws in our personalities, in our relationships, in our thoughts, our attitudes. We all come with these things. We're sinners saved by grace. And God is working on us through a process called sanctification. It's making us better, making us more like Christ. But we're not perfect. And we all have flawed feet. And you'll realize that. When you get into a, a Christian community of people, you're going to realize that just because these people are following Jesus, they are not perfect. Man, I, like I said before, I have seen fights. I have seen arguments. I have seen people disagree intensely with each other. I've seen all kinds of petty things that you would just look at and go, really? This is what you're fighting about? Amongst Christian community, but what's different is they learn to forgive each other. They learn each other's issues and they, they, they learn to work with them, to accept them and to encourage them, to walk with them through whatever that flaw may be. Sometimes the flaw is not so obvious. Other times it's really obvious. And I don't just mean a physical flaw. That, that's not even what we're considering here although it certainly would include. 
Sometimes the flaw is not obvious. Sometimes it's addiction that's silently, silently eating away at them. Sometimes it's poor attitudes towards a spouse and a marriage is crumbling from within. Sometimes it's the relationship between a father and son that is going south and nobody really knows about it. Nobody's talking about it. But it's realizing that we all have flawed feet and accepting each other despite that. In fact, Romans 15, 7 says, accept one another. Then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. See, you and I, each and every single one of us are sinners saved by grace. Every one of us, me, you, this is what the Bible says. And yet God is pursuing us, pursuing a relationship with us and loves us and has accepted us right where we are. Jesus didn't tell people, hey, go clean your life up and then come follow me. He said, you, come follow me now. Let's go. Let's go, right just as you are. Come follow me. And this acceptance that he offers us is the acceptance that he commands us to give each other, to accept each other's flawed feet. Now, there was a, a guy in, in the Bible named Mephibosheth, and uh, Mephibosheth was the grandson of King Saul. King Saul was the first king of Israel. And Saul had a son named Jonathan. Jonathan was Mephibosheth's dad. Jonathan was also David's best friend. David of David and Goliath. David of King David. David, the guy who was a man after God's own heart. David, the guy who wrote most of Psalm, the book of Psalm. It's David. And Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan, and Jonathan knew that his father was going to be removed from being a king, and he knew that David was going to be king, and so he made David promise. He said, whenever my father's removed and my bloodline is no longer in charge, will you promise me that you will be kind to my family and I? And David said yes. One day in battle, Saul was killed, and Jonathan was killed, and all of Saul's other sons were killed as well. And that meant Mephibosheth was in danger. See, he didn't know of his dad's relationship with David, or at least his caretaker didn't. And so when they found out that, that Saul and Jonathan were dead, his caretaker scooped up Mephibosheth and ran. And in running, tripped and fell and crushed Mephibosheth's legs. And so he was lame from childhood, could not walk. And years later, when David became king, he found out that Mephibosheth was still alive. And he said, bring him here. And Mephibosheth was scared, of course, because he thought he was going to kill him because that would have been customary that if the other king's bloodline still exists, you wiped it out so that there was nobody that could lay claim to the throne. But David didn't do that. David offered him acceptance because of his relationship with someone else. You're getting the correlation here. And he said, I want you to come and sit at my table, and here's what the Bible says happened. He says, and Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table, and he was lame in both feet. All of society had rejected Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth felt like he was going to be rejected when he came before the king, but because of the king's relationship, he invited him to be at the table. Because of our relationship with the king, we need to invite people to be at the table with us, flawed feet and all. Because here's what's crazy. When we get sat at a table, do you know what you can't see? People's feet. When you invite people, no matter what they look like or how lame their feet are or how flawed their feet are to the table, you can't see their feet. They sit with you and dine, and we need to learn to accept people right where they are and love them. I think this is a powerful imagery that God has laid out for us. We, have, we need to have refrigerator rights. We need to admit we've all got flawed feet. And the last great quality of Christian community is that we fight lions. We fight lions. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaming lion looking for someone to devour. Don't miss the connection here between Satan and lion. And what family of animals is the lion in? That's right. It's the cat family. Satan equals cats. I'm just saying. If you've missed that correlation, you need to get it. You say, Aaron, why do you hate cats? I don't hate cats. I actually like them. But I do believe they're evil incarnate. You can just look at a cat and tell they are plotting your death at some point in time. You know what I'm saying? Don't they just look that way sometimes? They're cute, but you know they would just, they would off you if you weren't feeding them. You know what I'm saying? Can't get my paws to get the can open. 
He's lucky he's feeding me. But the enemy prowls around like a lion because he's looking to take you out. See, the enemy hates anything, and his job is to steal, kill, and destroy anything that is close to the heart of God. And that's you. That is your relationships. That is your life. And he wants to destroy you just like a lion lion does. I'm going to show you a quick video here. This is, uh, you can look this up on YouTube if you want to. It's called The Battle of Kruger or Battle at Kruger. And this is, this is part of a much longer video. But what I'm going to show you is a group of lions attacking water buffalo. Now, water buffalo are not easy to take down. In fact, in order for the lions to do it, they would never attack a, a whole herd of water buffalo. They're way too big. And it takes five or six of them to take just one. And so what they'll do is they'll look for somebody that is isolated If a water buffalo wanders off from the group, the lions will attack that one. Because here's the deal, to eat a water buffalo or to get a water buffalo down, they'll eat for days off of that. Their entire pride could eat off of a water buffalo because they're so big. And so what you're getting ready to see is is some lions attacking a group of water buffalo, but here's what the lions didn't know. That is the water buffalo, they fight lions. Take a look. See, the water buffalo don't even know that the lions are laying there. They're, they're waiting. That one sees it, and he runs. And now the, the hunt is on, but realize they're not going after the big guy. There's a little guy right there who gets separated from the herd, and he's down. Now there's two on him, and everybody's gone. Some of you are like, why would you show this video? It's ridiculous. And now there's, there's three on top of him and two more ready to pounce once his life has been taken from him. But here's what they didn't know. Water buffalo, they travel in groups, and they fight lions. They are not going to let this happen. Look at that. Get out of here, you little pussycat. I like that one. He gets lifted. He's gone. And one by one, they fight lions. That's the little one. That's the little one up chasing that lion that just had him down on the ground. As a church, guys, we fight lions together. There are some things in life that you don't want to face on your own. And it is true that the enemy hates you. And if you are isolated, if you are weak, when you are alone, you are a sitting duck or a sitting water buffalo. And he will do anything and everything he can to take you down. And not just one way, but multiple ways. Just like that little water buffalo. But when you are connected to the body of Christ when you are connected to a group of people, when you are connected to Christian community, either through our grow groups, or you're on one of our teams, when you are connected and you have people around you that love you, that know your weaknesses, that know you have flawed feet and love you anyway, and you have refrigerator rights in their relationship, those are the same people who will fight lions with you. You don't want to face cancer alone. You don't want to face face financial difficulties alone. You don't want to face parenting a child that's got disciplinary issues all on your own. You don't want to do that. These are things that will take you out, that will drain your life from you if you tried to do them on your own. And as a community, we fight lions. We stick together. And I think if water buffalo can do it, so can we. We can fight lions together. Because Christianity is not a playground, folks. Christianity is a battleground. It's a battleground. And if you are alone, meaning independent, separated from a group, you are vulnerable. Look, today I believe you are one community away from your very destiny being changed. You are one community away from having a rich, satisfying, and meaningful, fulfilling life that Jesus said he came to give you. He said, I came to give you life and give you life more abundantly, a full and fulfilled life. And let me tell you, the biggest part of that, that full and fulfilled is found within the group. It is not found on your own. There are all these things in the Bible, they're called one another's, and it's the way that we are to love one another, treat one another. You can't one another on your own. It's impossible. And Jesus said, hey, listen, listen, they'll know you by the way that you love one another. They'll know you. They'll know that you belong to me by the way that you love one another. And if you you need to be part of a group so that you can love one another. 
And when you do that, here's what happens. When you love one another, when you serve one another, pray for one another, accept one another, stand with, serve one another, fight lions with one another, here's what happens. The world looks at you and says, what in the world is going on with those people? What do they have that I don't have? And you instantly become what we call around here, and you all know what I'm getting ready to say, the shiny. That's right. It's the shiny. People see it and say, I want that. What is different about you? And then you get to speak to them and say, well, it's not that I'm so good. It's not that this group of people is so good. It's that he's so good that he transformed us. It's that he's so good that he changed me. Do you want to meet Jesus? Let me introduce him to you. Let me show you what this is all about. There's something greater than just loving one another. It is people seeing that and being drawn to God. It's the greatest way to tell people about Jesus is to love one another. Today, you're one community away. Say, how do I, how do I, how do I simply respond to this message today? I'm going to lay it out for you really easy. We have grow groups. You get our app or go to our website, and you sign up for one today. That's what you do. There are activity-based ones that are not study-based, and there are some study-based ones that you can just jump into right now. That's what I'm simply speaking to today. So you're just trying to sell one of your programs. How much it cost me to get in one of those? It's free. Totally free. And it will change the trajectory of your life if you'll be willing to do it. Some of you complain, I'm not connected, I'm not feeling it, I don't know my purpose, I don't know what God's called me to do, I'm struggling with this addiction, I don't know how to deal with this, and yet you refuse to week after week after week when we talk about getting involved in a group, to get involved. It's simple, just do it. Jump in, jump in with both feet. Say, Aaron, you're really passionate, you're kind of making me feel bad about my decision to not even get in a group. Sorry. I believe in these things. My life has been changed because of them. I am who I am today because of them. You want to see your path change? You want to see your life change? I don't care what it is that you're trying to overcome, how you're, what direction you're trying to go in life, whether it's a better marriage, better parent, better employee. You want to dream and start businesses? or It doesn't matter to me. Whichever direction you're trying to go, when you're following Christ, if you're doing it without a community of people, you're missing out on all that God has for you. Let's pray. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask you, how many of you would say today, Aaron, I, I guess I just didn't realize it, but, but today I do. I, I don't have that kind of community. And I want you to pray for me. If that's you, would you just put your hand up? Would you just say, hey, that's me. I don't, I'm not part of that. I need that. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. You can put your hands down. We need this, people, for all the reasons that I said. Father, I just ask you right now in this moment to do what only you can do, and that is to stir up a passion in us and a desire in us for Christian community. Lord, not just to go to church, but to be the church. Father, I pray that you would create divine connections right now, that you would bind us together, that you would help us be a people with refrigerator rights, that you would help us be a people who would accept each other's flawed feet, and that ultimately, God, we would become a people who fight lions together. Lord, lead us and guide us to the right groups. That's specifically what I'm talking about today. Help us connect with the right people. And Lord, I trust and believe that because you, your word is true, that our very destinies will be changed. We trust you with that, and we ask you to do that. Now, if you're here today and you say, Aaron, you know, I, I've never even heard of anything like this. I, I didn't know that there was a place that I would be loved, accepted, and protected. A place where I become family no matter my past, no matter my background, no matter the color of my skin, no matter my financial standing, no matter my social or relational status, that a place where I would belong. I didn't know that a church would ever be 
some place that I feel like I could belong. But let me tell you something. This is the place. This place is called being in the family of God. And God desperately wants you to be in his family. See, you and I are born sinners. And that sin separates us from a holy and perfect God. So we could never never be in right standing with him no matter what we tried to do, no matter how good we lived our lives. But God said, I'm going to bridge that gap between you and I. He said, I'm going to send my son Jesus. He's going to live a perfect life. He's going to pay a price that no one else could pay for you. He's going to die in your place. He's going to bear the burden of your shame and your pain and your sins, the mistakes you've made in the past from living your own way. He said, I'm going to bridge that gap, and when my son bridges that gap, you'll be adopted into my family. And he said, any, anyone is welcome at his table. That's you. Doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you're currently entangled with, Jesus is calling to you today to enter a relationship with him. And then he's calling you to enter a relationship with us. This is what he's calling you to. And today, if you want to respond to a relationship with Jesus, saying, hey man, I'm, I'm all done doing things my ways. My ways have not left me full or fulfilled. I want to do things God's way. And that means making Jesus Lord or the boss of my life. If that's you and you're here today and you want to be part of this spiritual family, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to be included on that prayer, I'll include you. Would you just shoot your hand up right now and say, Aaron, that's me. Count me in on that prayer. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want you to pray along with me. And I know that we're broadcasting live across Periscope, and I know there's some people that are watching right now, and you're like, well, I wish I was there to pray with you. Look, let me tell you something. God will, will, will span this distance between me and you right now, wherever you're at. I believe that if you'll pray this prayer, God will meet you right where you're at. If you're listening to this recorded years from now, it doesn't matter. I believe that God will meet you right now with a sincere heart. If you'll pray this prayer, the trajectory of your life will change. And I would encourage you, if you're watching or listening, to get involved in a local community, to get involved in a church. If you're nearby, come and be a part of this one. It's a great one. Those of you that sat in this room and said that you want to pray this prayer, pray this with me. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you came to this earth, lived a sinless life. You died upon that cross and rose from the dead three days later. Jesus, I need you to be the boss of my life. Be Lord. Show me how to live for you, and I'll spend the rest of my life doing that. Give me your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.